Good morning, Green Tree family. My name is Tom Ricks. I'm one of the pastors here at Green Tree. It's good to be with all of you uh, two Sundays before Christmas. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Uh, in just a couple minutes, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 20. You're going to be rehearing uh, what the Olsons shared with us in the call to worship, and I want to thank them. Uh, for participating with us this week and, and reading the scripture for us at the beginning of the service. Uh, but we're going to hear it one more time again in, in just a couple of minutes. Uh, but I want to share a little bit about my last uh, week with you guys uh, because it's been a hard week. It's been an emotionally draining week on a lot of different levels. Last Saturday, I'm going to go all the way back to last Saturday, uh, we had affordable Christmas here at Green Tree and uh, the Affordable Christmas crew did an amazing job. Uh, it was really wonderful. Everybody pitched in. Uh, but every year at Affordable Christmas is a bit of a double-edged sword for me because it reminds me of how many people are hurting uh, in our own community uh, right here in Kirkwood and how much need there really is in this world. And so while I'm thankful and I'm, and I'm so grateful for the effort everybody put in, uh, just seeing... Uh, and being reminded of uh, the poverty, and in many cases, generational poverty, uh, just weighs heavy on my heart. On Sunday, uh, the Ricks family, uh, late in the afternoon, had a Zoom uh, conversation. And the reason we were having a Zoom conversation is we're trying to figure out a family reunion. And as we talked uh, for a while, we came to the conclusion that it would be wiser and it would be better to do our family reunion in 2022 instead of 2021. Uh, we're excited about the vaccine and the, and the potential that uh, lies therein and the hope that COVID will begin to be controlled. But we thought the better part of wisdom was to put it off a year. And that was really hard for me, really difficult. We don't, uh, we don't get to see our kids that often. We don't get to see our grandkids that often. And so there was, while I agreed with our decision, uh, it was it was really uh, sad, and then Monday late in the day uh, here at Green Tree, the building caught on fire, and uh, and it was a it was a real fire. It was not just a couple little embers, uh, and everything's okay, everything's fine. Uh, we're going to get it repaired, uh, but it just kind of reminds you how things can can change in an instant, and and how fragile life is on Tuesday. Uh, I spent uh, that evening with a couple of our new elders and just kind of walking through the last nine months uh, of my journey here at Green Tree and uh, in all honesty, kind of just rehashing uh, a lot of pain and a lot of, a lot of struggle in a good place now, moving in a great direction. But that was, that was, that was hard, just kind of walk back through that. Wednesday, we said uh, goodbye, not leaving town, but leaving staff. We said goodbye uh, to Jen Allen, uh, and that was that was a, a really hard day. That was a very difficult day. Uh, I've always said Jen Allen's like a little sister to me. She would say a much younger uh, sister, but uh, that was a, a painful goodbye. Thursday, Cindy and I attended the funeral uh, of one of our very dear friends whose mother had passed away, and so we were uh, with them on Thursday. Uh, Friday, bit of a respite. Uh, but then Saturday, uh, I uh, traveled around uh, kind of the Kirkwood and the general area. Uh, I'm working on a gift that I want to give to the congregation uh, on Christmas Eve. Uh, but again, as I, as I talked with folks, it just reminded me how disconnected 
uh, we all are right now. So I share all of that with you. None of that's like devastating. None of that is earth shattering or just so awful that it, it, it wipes you out emotionally. But it was just a sad, discouraging week. Uh, and I, I think you probably know this if you've been around me uh, at all over the last 22 years. Pastors are just like everybody else. Uh, we're not spared from the pain of this world in which we live. Uh, and every now and then we uh, need encouragement just like everyone else. We, uh, we can get down and we can get discouraged. And this week was just kind of, it seemed like every day I had another challenge that, that left me uh, feeling uh, just a little bit down. And so as I re-engaged with Luke chapter 2 this week, maybe uh, more so than my normal sermon preparation, I went looking for some help. Uh, not for you guys, <laughs> although hopefully part of the byproduct will be for you, but I actually went looking for some help for me. Uh, I went asking the question once again, how does the gospel apply to my life? Where is there hope for me uh, in a time, in an age uh, when uh, life seems to be just a little more difficult? And I would guess that if you had the pulpit this morning, that you could stand up here and you could walk through your week and you would have some of the same types of experiences. Uh, it's been an odd and difficult year. And so I went looking for help and I, and I found it. But I was actually a little bit surprised by what I found. I saw some things uh, that I hadn't seen before, and that's how God does it. Uh, he is always reintroducing himself to us. He is always taking us deeper if we will uh, sit quietly and we will listen. And so this uh, week, while it's been a struggle, it's also been a blessing. And I want to share some of that with you this morning. So we're going to look at Luke uh, chapter 2, I'm going I'm to read verses 1 through 20 again to give the whole context, but we're really going to focus on that middle section on verses 8 uh, through 14 during our, during our teaching time. Hear the word of God. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth, uh, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. 
When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To Him alone be glory. I'm going to take a moment to pray. Uh, and I, I do this each Sunday while we're separated from one another. Uh, I want to give you a chance in your, in your home or wherever you're gathered by yourself or or with friends or with family members to have a chance to pray, uh, either silently or out loud in your, uh, in your setting and ask the Lord to, to teach you, to speak to you, and then I'll lead us in a corporate prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you this morning that we can always return to your word. Uh, not just on Sunday mornings, but, but any morning, any afternoon, any evening, any time of the day or night, you have spoken to your people. You have spoken words of grace and mercy and salvation. Father, you have spoken words of kindness and love and restoration. So, Lord, we pray this morning in the context of our individual lives and our lives as a congregation who are feeling uh, disjointed and disconnected and in many ways far away from one another, uh, that you would bring your hope into our lives, uh, that your gospel would do its work in our hearts and our minds, would, would remind us of your goodness, your grace would remind us of our fellowship uh, with one another, even when we are not together physically. Lord, I pray that you would touch our hearts and our minds. Uh, I think in many ways we're, we're weary. Uh, I think in many ways we uh, are just tired uh, emotionally and spiritually uh, as well as physically. And so we thank you, Lord, that we can come back to the giver of life, to the one who says he renews our strength through, through his spirit. So, Lord, we pray for that renewing this morning, that work that only you can do in our lives. Lord, we don't gather to hear man's words. They're just not that important. We are all finite. We are all limited. We cannot see the beginning from the end. We don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. So to, to base our lives on whatever I say is, is absurd. But to base our lives on your truth. Your eternal truth is redemptive, and so it's that for which we pray. Father, forgive my sin. Don't let me be a hindrance to your teaching this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our sermon in a sentence this morning is this. God sending angels to shepherds, and that's what we're going to focus on this morning. Angels to shepherds. God sending angels to shepherds demonstrates a limitless grace that leads Jesus' disciples to comfort and peace in moments of despair 
and discouragement. So if you are not discouraged this morning, if, if despair isn't in your vocabulary this morning, uh, and on one hand, I want to I invite you to take the day off, so to speak. Uh, but I'm guessing that all of us are struggling with some amount of discouragement. So what can we glean from this passage that would bring us hope, that would correct our unbelief, the places where I'm not trusting God uh, to be the one who cares the be the one who redeems. How can we uh, gain from this passage uh, a deeper love and thankfulness for our Lord, uh, a deeper closeness with Him? Well, as I said, we want to just think a little bit this morning about angels to shepherds uh, and what that means. So let me begin by giving us a context, and that's the first of my four observations in this text, is, is we need to remember the context. And in verses 4 through 7, uh, we were, were reminded that Joseph goes up from Galilee to the town from Nazareth to uh, uh, excuse me Joseph goes up from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem which we all have sung those Christmas carols and and know that he why because he was in the house and the lineage of David so everybody's going to their own hometown so to speak and that's that's where uh, Joseph is originally from he's going to go there to register with Mary. His betrothed who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to the firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, light, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now, that's the human context of this story. Uh, Joseph and Mary have traveled while Mary is probably eight and a half months pregnant. Uh, maybe they got to Nazareth uh, and had a, a, a tiny bit of time to rest, but Mary is, is full term. And she's made this journey of about 30 miles or so. And I can't imagine uh, how awful that experience was. And, and now they've come and they can't find a place to stay because everybody has to go back to their hometown. Uh, and so they're, they're literally in what we would call a barn. In their day, it was more like a cave. I'm actually going to show you a little later in the sermon uh, a picture of a manger. It looks a little different than, than we make it look today. Uh, but that's the human context. But I want to remind us of God's context of this event. And if you go back to chapter 1 of Luke's gospel, when you look at verses 31 through 33, the, uh, Holy, the, the angel of the Lord excuse me, promises Mary something about what's going to happen to her. And here's what he says. You will conceive in your womb and you will bear a son. Well, that's, that's what we just read. That's what's happened. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. This, this one who is going to be born in the manger... Uh, the, this, this path of, of the manger, this journey of the manger, is not an ordinary child. This is the Son of God. This is the Messiah. This is the one who's going to redeem not only the people of Israel, but going to redeem people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every gen, generation. This is the one who's going to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so what we're seeing is the arrival of the Messiah. And we need to understand that context. The second thing I want us to think about, and it's also somewhat contextually, is what it meant to be a shepherd. 
what kind of person was a shepherd during the, during the day when Jesus was born? Because we read that verse and uh, that language in verse 8 that says, And in the same region there were shepherds out of the field keeping watch over their flock by night. I think when I was a child, uh, the language was there were shepherds abiding uh, in the field keeping watch uh, over their flock. And we romanticize uh, the notion of being a shepherd. Maybe uh, we've seen the Charlie Brown Christmas uh, uh, story one, one too many times. Uh, but the notion of being a shepherd to us uh, has been glorified, has, has been lifted out of the context and actually has been misrepresented. To be a shepherd in these days was to be in the lowest employment tier possible. This was one step above being an indentured servant. And in fact, many shepherds actually were indentured servants. They were shepherds uh, who hired themselves to others because it was the only job they could get. This wasn't just an entry-level position. This was an entry-level position in an occupation that went nowhere and gave you just barely enough to get by, just barely enough to survive. And if that weren't enough... This is the night shift shepherd group. This is not the shepherds who necessarily worked with the, with the flock throughout the day. These were the ones who had to stay up late at night to make sure that any wild animals, that any, any thieves uh, wouldn't be able to harm the flock. And so these are, these are folks that have no social standing. Uh, they have no hope for the future. The, these are folks who... Uh, we would say in, in our day and age, these are folks you don't even notice. These are folks you don't even necessarily see. I remember when I was in fourth grade at Robinson Elementary School here in Kirkwood, uh, one of the custodial staff, Mr. Wood, uh, retired from his job. And he had been in that job for about 30 years. I came to find out later in fourth grade I didn't really know and I can't say I really cared all that much. But Mr. Wood had taken care of Robinson Elementary School for decades. And Mr. Wood was unnoticed. You may have seen him in the hallway, but you didn't pay any attention to you. Uh, I seem to recall he was somewhat of a friendly person who would smile at you, but he was not an important person. And I kind of wonder if Mr. Wood was content or if he wasn't content. I wonder if you ever had thoughts of, was there be anything else for me? You wonder if the shepherds sitting around uh, the fire that night were wondering, you know, is this the best it's going to be? Uh, is there any hope for me uh, to move beyond this? It's important we realize this because if I were writing this story, angels wouldn't appear to shepherds. Angels would, would appear someplace very, very different than a field where, a, and I'm going I'm to say this in kind of a harsh way just to make the point, uh, not to be antagonistic, to a bunch of nobodies. These were folks that had no influence. The, these weren't even in our modern vernacular, you know, middle class folks. Uh, they had no vote. They had no voice. They had no say. Nobody even noticed them. The only time they'd be noticed is if some wolves got in the flock and hurt the sheep. And so as we look at this passage, again, we romanticize it. We need to understand it for what it is. The context is that the Messiah is arriving and the birth announcement is going to be astounding. 
it's going to be astounding in the, in the sense of to whom it is given. And so my third observation is it is to these men, because they, they were men in that day and age, it is to these men, these, these nobodies, so to speak, that the angel and the angel choirs appear and they come in an amazing form and with an amazing message. Uh, the first thing I want us to see in verse 9, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. That word fear is they were filled with terror. They, 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 were, they weren't quaking in their boots. They were probably face down in the dirt until the angel starts to speak to them. When the glory of the Lord shows up in Scripture, something amazing is happening. This is not an everyday occurrence. This isn't a once-a-generation occurrence. This is a, this is a once-in-a-millennium type of occurrence. God's glory is showing up, and it's showing up to these shepherds. And the, and the glory is surrounding the message. And the message is not a message of God is majestic and he's in heaven and you're down here and you're nobodies and you should, you should stay with your faces in the dirt and don't even bother to look up. It's a message of love. It's a message of grace to, to these who, who are in the lowest tier of society. Look at verses 10 and 11. The angel says to them, don't be afraid. Fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What, what is this glorious uh, manifestation representing? It's representing assurance. Assurance of what? That God loves you. That for you, for all people, there's nobody that falls outside of this. And we're going to come back to that in, that in just a minute. This is for all the people. What's for all the people? The, the personification of God's love. To you, in the city of David, notice they don't say Bethlehem, but they emphasize the fact that this is the messianic promise given to David. We read that in 2 Samuel. Uh, we read that last week. That messianic promise that was given some thousand years ago, it's now arriving. And who are we going to go tell? Who are the first people they're gonna, we're going to burst onto the scene and share with? The, the simplest folks of all people that nobody sees, people that nobody cares about. We're going to share this assurance with the shepherds. But it's not just an assurance. It's not just a glorious assurance. There's also an offer that the shepherds can go and verify. Look at verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. And if you look at that, that language in, in the original Greek, which I don't say that very often, I, I think it sounds a little pompous, but if, but if you look at that in the original Greek, it's you guys right here in this circle. Hey, you shepherds, there's a sign just for you. It's not for the people down the street. It's not, it's not for maybe the people who own the flock. It's not for those. This is a sign for you. We want to make sure that you get this. This is a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. It's verifiable. You can go check this out for yourself. And that message in and of itself had to startle the shepherds because they knew what a manger was. And they knew a manger was not a nice bed for a baby. They knew a manger was in kind of a dirty, smelly place. And it probably kind of took them back. Uh, you know, uh, the city of David, awesome. That, that's the city where the king, 
came from. That, that's great. But in that city, they probably were thinking, what's the nicest house in Bethlehem? And what they were told was this is going to be a child that's in a manger. But it was verifiable. They could see it. They could experience it for themselves. In um, 1995, Cindy and I were walking through the airport early in the morning at Lambert Field. We were going on a trip together. And I, I think I may have told this story before, uh, that the Lakers had been in town the night before and they had played an exhibition game uh, here in St. Louis. Uh, it was preseason, so it was, it was late September, early October. And there was just a buzz all over the airport. And we're like, what's going on? And somebody said, you know, the Lakers, they're, they're down the hall. You know, if, if you go down that way, you can see for yourself. <laughs> so they're saying, you don't have to take my word for it. Go and look. And it's like this heavenly host is saying, you don't have to take our word for it. You can go and see it yourself. And you see in that picture, the little concrete manger that would be about the right size for a baby. Uh, but, the, but the angels appeared to these simple shepherds with a message that could be checked out, could be tested. And all of us from the show me state love that, don't we? But there's one other thing to see here about the angels, and then we'll move on to our fourth observation, and it's this, that God sends glory. He assures the shepherds of his love. He allows them to know they can verify it, and then he puts an exclamation point on it. It's not just one shepherd. Look at verses 13. And 14. And suddenly, in an instant, there was an angel with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God wants to make sure the shepherds don't miss this. So he doesn't send the entire heavenly choir. That's not what it says. It's a multitude, it's a portion, and it had to have filled the night sky in a way that, that has never been seen before and has never been seen again and it won't look that glorious again until the Lord Jesus returns himself. But God puts an exclamation point on this message. It's not just one angel, it is a heavenly host and they're praising God, which means they're reminding these shepherds that even in their humble estate, even in, in their nobodiness, God loves them God cares for them, and God's going to make sure they don't miss it. So for those of us that sometimes feel invisible, for those of us that sometimes feel like, you know, the world's kind of going by and, and, and it feels pretty lonely, and it feels pretty overwhelming, this message is for you and for me. And that's the fourth observation that I want to make for us this morning. And it's really uh, the application question. Because this message is for the shepherds, it means that this message is also for us. And I want to give just a, a handful of observations here and we'll be done. The first is this, that God redeems what humanity has broken. I'm not going to go back and read the verses. Tom Warner gave us a bunch of them two weeks ago. I, I, I pulled up a, a handful of those again last Sunday. If you missed those two sermons, you could go, go watch those. Those would be helpful. But what we see in the Old Testament is God saying, I'm, I'm going to bring redemption. I'm going to bring salvation. And God keeps his promise. As we look forward to Christmas, a lot of us have probably said, gee, I really hope I get, you know, X. 
And maybe someone said to us, oh, I'm sure you're going to get that. I'm sure, I'm sure Santa's going to bring that for you. What a disappointment it would be if someone gave us their word and then broke their word in a way that was hurtful. God is redeeming what we have broken and the coming of the Messiah. And the message to the angels is a message to us today. It may be really hard in your life right now, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't keep his promise of salvation and redemption. Secondly, an application here I don't want us to miss is simply this. Nobody is excluded from this invitation. We may feel we're not important. We may feel we're invisible. We may feel like, like folks don't have time for us. I had, a, I had a crazy experience in 1994. I was actually invited uh, to go to Lambert Field and to stand in a, a, a receiving line with about 25 other people and meet the Vice President of the United States. The Vice President was scheduled to come through town and uh, I got a call and somebody said, we want you to come out the airport. And at first thought it was a practical joke. When I found out it was real, I got really excited about it. And I began to tell folks, oh my gosh, I'm going to go get to meet the Vice President of the United States. And I got a call uh, late the night before that morning get together that the trip had been canceled uh, and that I wasn't going to get a chance to meet the Vice President. And I was disappointed, but you know what else crossed my mind? Uh, of course, cancel. Who, who am I that the Vice President needs to spend any time at all with me? Uh, that same year, 1994, was the year that Nelson Mandela was elected President of South Africa. And that was an amazing experience. If you know anything about the history of South Africa, anything about apartheid, you know how phenomenal that is. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm not speaking uh, negatively towards Nelson Mandela, but if Nelson Mandela had been there, the Vice President would not have canceled. He would have been there. And rightly so. <laughs> but for Tom Ricks, not quite so important. But that's not how God's economy works. That's not how God's love is defined. God's love is defined that God so loved the entire world that whosoever believes in him, not whosoever of the elite, not whosoever of the smartest, not whosoever of the polished and, and the most well-spoken and the best of the best and the cream of the crop, those guys get no, anyone. Shepherds are welcome. You and I are welcome into the grace and the mercy of God. But know this, and, and, and this is an important point, that this invitation is an invitation to faith. It's an invitation to trust God. It's not a get out of jail free card. It's not a, hey, I'm going to say I believe in Jesus and then go live my life any way I want to. This is an invitation to faith. Remember we said earlier it was verifiable? Well, if you look at the response of the shepherds, what do the, what do the shepherds say? That this will be a sign that you will find. So there's the verifiable promise. But what do the shepherds say? Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that the Lord has done. And then what does it say? They went with haste and they found. That took faith. Now you might say, Tom, going into Bethlehem to check out this baby being born after you see a heavenly choir is not an astounding amount of faith. That's right. It, it, it may not be in the annals of faith. It might not uh, be listed there. But it's faith nonetheless. And it's faith that God calls us to. Do you make the journey to the manger and then the journey to the cross knowing what Christ has done for you? 
Are you and I following him by faith? Are we going and finding this one who is Jesus, the Messiah and the King and the Savior of all the world? And the last observation in this fourth uh, point is this. This salvation comes in the context of everyday life. There are moments of great grief and difficulty and sorrow in our lives, but there are also moments that are really high, and they're really amazing, and they're really wonderful. And wouldn't you think a sky filled with angels would be a pretty incredible thing? I mean, that would pretty much define my life. I think I, I would always look back on that moment and go, I, I'm not sure how you top that, but that's not where you live every day. That's not where I live every day, and that's not where you live every day. And if you notice, and, and here's where I was a bit surprised by what the Lord showed me this time. I was struck by the truth that the angels went away back into heaven. The night sky went dark again. It went blank again. And it probably was not an event that took two hours to unfold. It was probably a relatively short event. The shepherds maybe could have started thinking, did we just dream all that up? Did, did that really just happen to us? The angels didn't stick around. The angels didn't hold their hand and walk them into Bethlehem. It was a dark night. They had to find their way back into town into, in, in normal circumstances now, in everyday circumstances now. So the angels went away. And then the shepherds returned to the flock. They had to go back to their, to their night job. Wasn't much of a job. Kept them from starving to death. They, they, they didn't become... Instant celebrities overnight. In fact, it says that when they were walking back and telling everybody that was maybe starting to get up early in the morning what they'd seen, people couldn't believe it. They're like, this is odd. Why? Because this doesn't happen to shepherds. This doesn't happen to these kind of folks. But the shepherds returned different people, glorifying God, giving Him praise that they were included, that salvation belonged to them, not because they were the cream of the crop. They were... They were the, the bottom of the barrel. But because that's how God loves. God loves unconditionally. God loves with great grace and mercy that we can't even begin to measure. So I don't know what your week was like. I know what my week was like last week. And it, it, it wasn't my best. It wasn't my worst. It wasn't my best. It was a hard week. It was a week where there was a, there was a good amount of sadness in it. And that's kind of normal for this world. It's broken. But God brought me into, into this journey to the manger, into this way of the manger this week and showed me some things that I needed to see. I needed to be reminded that, that my life, life's going to go on. But even in that context, and even though I'm just kind of an ordinary guy along with a lot of most, of, most of my peeps are ordinary peeps, right? In that context, God's redeeming love has found us and has saved us. And so I come back to the sermon of sentence. God sending angels to shepherds. God sending the gospel to Tom Ricks would be another way to say that. It demonstrates a limitless grace that leads us as Jesus' disciples to comfort and peace in moments of despair and discouragement. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for... Uh, the glory of the angels appearing and yet the simpleness of appearing to shepherds. Father, I know my brothers and sisters here at Green Tree are 
struggling these days. I know we all are. I, I talk to a lot of folks. I know my own heart uh, can be heavy. Uh, this is a Christmas unlike anything we've experienced. I'm, I'm, the last time America probably felt this way was right after Pearl Harbor had been bombed in 1941 uh, leading up to Christmas. It's been three generations uh, since we, we felt uh, this kind of isolation and, and hurt. So, Lord, I don't want to overblow it, but I, I just want to acknowledge that it's there. And I want to thank you that you come in moments like this to remind us that there's a heavenly choir singing the praises of a baby born because the way of the manger is going to lead to the way of the cross and to our redemption because you keep your promises to each and every one of us, no matter how great, no matter how small. And so, Lord, I pray that our response today, my response today, would be a response of faith, a response of trusting in you, a response of, of great joy because of your redeeming work in Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen.